Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. About 13% of children in the United States have some sort of food allergy. As a new parent, you may be wondering if your child is one of them. What are the most common symptoms to look for? And what are the main foods causing most of the fuss? I'm Lindsay Senevec, registered dietitian and family nutrition specialist, and today we're breaking down the most common food allergies for children. This is Parent Savers. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your online, on-the-go support group for parents with infants and toddlers. And I'm your guest host, Sunny Galt. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who join us every time we release a new episode. And for those of you who like to continue our conversation on Facebook and Twitter, those would be our virtual panelists. If you want to get even more great Parent Savers content, be sure to join the Parent Savers Club. And there's more information about that on our website. And you can also download the Parent Savers app so you can listen to all of our episodes wherever you go. In fact, most of the moms and dads listen to us that way. So check that out. Now, Kalina, our producer, is going to tell you more about our virtual panelist program. All right. So if you love the conversation and you'd like to get in on it but you can't be here with us in studio, uh, you can definitely post on your Twitter or Facebook using the hashtag Parent Savers VP. Uh, we can follow up with you, include you in the conversation, and make sure all of your questions get answered. Wonderful. Thanks, Kalina. Let's meet the parents that are joining us here in the studio. And as we go around, tell us if your um, child or children have any allergies or sensitivities that you're aware of. Um, you guys know me. I'm Sunny. I am uh, guest hosting today's show, but I'm the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces Parent Savers, Preggy Pals, The Boob Group, and Twin Talks. And I have four children of my own. My oldest is four, and my middle guy's two. And I have identical twins um, who are almost a year old. And as far as allergies, sensitivities, nothing that I have found. But I'm reserving that because my, st- my, my children are still pretty young. So we'll see. Uh, Scott, what about you? Hi, I'm Scott. I am a uh, father to a four-year-old boy. And the only thing that I know for sure is that he has a, a pretty intense reaction to strawberries when he eats a lot of them. Okay, good to know. All right, and Tiffany. Welcome to the show. Hi, um, I have a three-year-old and we've been plagued with this for quite a while. She's got um, multiple allergies, the biggest problems being gluten and dairy, but she's pretty much grain-free and dairy-free. Wow. And Kalina? Um, I have one son. He's 17 months. And so we're still, we still have things that he hasn't tried yet. um, But we've had pretty good success with everything so far. Um, There was one night at dinner, he broke out in a rash and we could not for the lives of us pin it down. It hasn't happened since. So I have hope that it was a fluke. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) hopefully whatever it was, it's not going to come back. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, before we get started with today's show, we have an interesting news headline. And a lot of people have been talking about this headline. It's on the internet. And it is called the Teal Pumpkin Project. And it was first put out by an organization called FAIR, which stands for the Food Allergy and Education Research Group. And according to them, 1 in 13 children suffer from a food allergy. So they came up with the idea of what they're calling the Teal Pumpkin Project. I've seen a lot of people sharing these articles online on Facebook and stuff. So here's what it is. I should say at the time of taping um, this episode, it's almost Halloween and that's what the teal pumpkin has to do with. So they are asking parents on Halloween night to set out a teal pumpkin and that is going to represent that they have alternatives for children with um, sensitivities or allergies to the traditional candy that you might find. A lot of candy has nuts in it and, and some other things that gluten, things like that, that may not be on your child's diet. So this is kind of a, a way for parents to easily be able to recognize these homes and choose whether or not they want their child to go up there. And um, they're not really offering food alternatives. It's more like glow sticks or you know something that's not food related because there's a lot of sensitivities out there and it'd be hard to fulfill everybody's needs. So wanted to throw this out to you guys. What do you guys think about this? I'll start with Tiffany since you have a child with allergies. Do you like this idea? Would you be looking for teal pumpkins? I love this idea (laughs) and um, hopefully when my daughter's a little older she'll she'll be able to participate. Last year because she can't have candy. The incentive to trick-or-treat really wasn't there for her. And so walking up to strangers' doors with, to get nothing <laughs> or to get something for dad was not appealing at all. I think we hit five doors before we realized we totally traumatized her. Um, this year, we're lucky enough to attend a candy-free uh, Halloween party on Halloween night, so we'll be doing that. But I'm sure as she gets older, she'll want to join in actual trick-or-treating with friends. And so hopefully the teal pumpkin catches on. That'll be really fun. Yeah, I love this idea. It's, it's, in, it's in complete alignment with what I believe about the Halloween. I would, you know, we don't really give out candy, you know, anyway. But I'm reminded of uh, when, uh, my, when my son and I went to my dad's place and we were going around the houses. One of the houses actually owned by a dentist gave, uh, gave him three things. One was like a king-size Snicker bar, then a full-size toothbrush, and a full-size tube of toothpaste. So, uh, <laughs> in that order, eat the candy so bar. When you were, so I had never heard of this teal project until you had mentioned it, but that was the first thing I thought about. I'm like, it's interesting. What, no floss? <laughs> floss wasn't part of it? You had to come back around the second time oh, for I that. <laughs> Kalina, what do you think? Oh, I love I love this because, even, you know, there's there's so many kids out there that have these problems, and then we've got, we've got other family members that have allergies and and I've had you know siblings with severe allergies and growing up my poor brother he couldn't he could not tolerate dairy at all not the slightest bit of dairy and and he would have the rash but he'd also he had asthma so he'd have breathing problems and so it was very serious for him and Halloween kind of stunk because 
The majority of the candy you get is chocolate, and so we'd have to sit there. We'd all dump our bags out, and luckily there was six kids, so this made it a little easier, but I can imagine if he was like an only child or had just one sibling, this would be problematic because we'd all dump our candy out, and he'd put all his chocolate down, and we'd sit there, and we'd basically barter for all his chocolate, <laughs> and he'd get whatever was not chocolate, and so... But, you know, for, for kids that don't have a big family or have siblings that are willing to do that or for whatever reason, you know, it, it kind of stinks because yeah. they don't really get that full participation. And so I would totally do this. I think we definitely will do this if we end up being in the position where we're going to hand out anything. And and I think that this hopefully this carries on because it's wonderful to be able to include all the kids in, in Halloween. Yeah. I wanted to add just one one thing when I was thinking about this 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 teal pumpkin project. Have you guys heard of gals heard of the the switch witch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, heard of the switch witch. Yeah, okay. that's a great well, idea this, too. Yeah, Love so the switch witch is you know you get all your candy, you go to your seventy five houses or whatever, and you've really like <laughs> knocked it out of the park this year, and you take all of your candy, and what happens is you put it there and. In the nighttime, the switch witch comes, takes all your candy, and replaces it with something else, like uh, like maybe a non-candy pr- uh, toy of some sort or something like that, mm-hmm. huh. too. But it, um, that's another way, probably, that people with allergies, they can still participate, but then they can still uh, get, get the like, ultimate benefit prize. of, of right. something at the end of the right. so. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's hard enough to get your kids to try new foods, especially if they think these new foods could cause them to break out in hives, rashes, or even worse. And that's what it's like when your child has food allergies. Lindsay Stenovec is a featured expert on our shows. She's a registered dietitian and nutrition specialist, and her company is called Nutrition Instincts. So, Lindsay, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I should say that Lindsay is newly postpartum. She has a little boy um, that's in our, our, not in our studio right here, but who knows, he may be joining us at some point. (laughs) And so we really appreciate you coming in. So tell us about uh, food allergies. What is a food allergy compared to a sensitivity or an intolerance? That's a really common question and a really good question. Um, So when you're looking at just a food allergy, you're looking at an immune system response um, and typically an immunoglobulin E mediated response, which is just involved in the testing basically as far as, um, you know, in terms of knowledge, what would be important to know about that. when the body is confused and thinks um, uh, someone has ingested something that's harmful, um, for a food allergy, that would be a protein in food. And so the body thinks, oh my gosh, this is a harmful antigen and we need to send in you know, our immuno response to take care of it. And it creates an inflammatory response, which then um, could, you know, produce a range of symptoms. Typically for food allergies, we're looking at hives, we're looking at possibly swelling of the lips and tongue, um, and more severely, we're looking at uh, what you had described earlier, trouble breathing or possibly anaphylactic shock, which is is fatal. It's closing of the throat if not treated immediately. Um, so that is what a food allergy is going to typically look like and present like, and that is um, tested in you know a doctor's office, um, preferably a board-certified 
pediatric um, allergist who can um, do a series of tests. So not just one test, they're probably going to do a skin prick test, possibly a blood test, um, and then maybe even do some sort of food challenge where they expose the child in office to that food and look at their response because it's usually going to be a fast, a pretty fast response. Um, When we're looking at something like a food sensitivity, it's a lot less well-defined. They're out there. It's real. They're just not as well understood. Um, And you're going to get a lot of different information depending on which professional you go to to evaluate a food sensitivity. So there are different types of tests that are out there to evaluate whether or not someone has a sensitivity. It is typically involving the immune system, um, but different types of inflammatory markers and the immunoglobulin E. So they're non-immunoglobulin E mediated responses. Um, Symptoms can range from um, and Tiffany, I'd love for you to share some of your experiences, but they can range. It's not going to be something like anaphylactic shock. It could be headaches. It could be um, IBS. It could be um, arthritis even, you know, usually in adults. Um, but yeah, there's a much more broad range of symptoms. So people will say, gosh, I've always had this issue. No one can solve it. And sometimes they'll go to a professional and start doing some tests and some elimination of different foods. And they find, oh my gosh, this, this went away. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So Tiffany, with your daughter, how did this kind of manifest itself? How old was your daughter, and and what did you start to notice? Oh my gosh, it was from birth, from day one. Um, And when they're little, you get a lot of different input about how my, uh, you know, one week old was strong willed or um, difficult, or a lot, a lot of adult traits that you put on a, a child who probably just in hindsight, didn't feel well. But um, it started with what looked like colic and then what looked like reflux and then what looked like um, chronic constipation. And it's really easy to go down different trails with the information that doesn't particularly pertain to your situation. And so we went down some of those trails and realized that really the culprit was food and food was making her sick. And at the time, I didn't I was not going down the right trails to even know to eliminate while I was nursing, which you absolutely can do and um, pretty easily with with good results. Um, so we didn't we didn't eliminate from her diet until she we started around 13, 14 months old. And by 18 months, I had a completely different child. My experience with motherhood changed dramatically. I had I had no idea that my child was sick. I thought that I I thought that all of these adult traits that people were putting on my child were were real and that she was just you know, she didn't she didn't in hindsight she didn't smile until she was 6 months old, which just breaks my heart now because she didn't feel good. So I think basically a lot of it was uh excessive crying, which now I know is excessive crying. A a new mother doesn't know what excessive crying. It all seems excessive. Um, And then really when her her stomach started to slow down and she was not able and she was constipated, that was sort of like the giant red flag. And that's when you go running into the doctor. And luckily we ran into the right one. So that was helpful. Mm -hmm. And what did they have you do? Like, was it just starting to eliminate certain foods out of the diet until you figured out where she, you know, what issues? Yes, we did um, a few different things. The first thing that they have, they had us do was dairy, because that's very common, especially with the, um, with the symptom of constipation. Dairy is 
the first to go. And she actually did get a little bit better, but um, her symptoms returned. And that's when we we were working with, at that point, we were working with a a naturopathic doctor, so an ND, which is different from a naturopath. But um, they would give her remedies that would help temporarily. And then we did an IgG panel. And that's not a perfect test, but it was perfect for us at the time. And it helped us see what to eliminate. And it made it much clearer that gluten was kind of our big bully. So and dairy dairy was a, a contributor, but we really needed to kick the gluten. And then since then, we realized that she likely has celiac disease. She's actually too sensitive to do um, to feed her gluten to do uh, a stomach biopsy to, to confirm it. But um, we're having that out of her diet, all of those things, and helping with um, healing the healing that was needs to be done because of the damage to her body. She's a different kid. She's happy. She's she's awesome now. It's really it's really changed our lives, our whole family's <laughs> lives. So I'm very grateful. Are the symptoms that Tiffany was describing, is that pretty consistent with what, you know, you've seen and you've heard about, whether it's a sensitivity or an official allergy? Again, they're going to kind of present differently. Okay. With an allergy, it's going to be, a, um, they're going to be a little more... Um, consistent in terms of we're probably going to see some sort of rash we might see a change in digestion for children um again trouble breathing something going on with the mouth either swelling of the lips and tongue some itchiness that kind of thing would give you a a red flag to go that route and you always want to rule out that type of allergy first because we have those tests have been around longer they're you know a little more research and they have a lower instance of false positive and false negatives meaning you know, you test positive, but you actually don't have a problem or you test negative and you do. And then like Tiffany was saying, the the next step looking into the different sensitivities and the different types of immune responses that could be going on, um, not a perfect test, but then if you're working with the right practitioner, um, a trained naturopathic doctor or a dietitian, they're not going to just hand you this list of foods and say, okay, this is their long list of no's and maybes and greens and I'll never see you again. Thanks for your money. They're going to continue to work with you and do an elimination diet from there. So it's like a starting point mm-hmm. and that yeah. helps control for some of those. There's a higher incidence of false positives and false negatives. So yeah, they help work those out and really look at how is this child responding or adult. Um, yeah. Is that, mm-hmm. would you say that's, yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of help from yeah. there. It wasn't. Um, here's your test. See you later. Especially yeah. since I was insistent on needing help at that point. So, it <laughs> and I've had clients come in. I've had adults come in where they're like, "Oh, my mom took me to this person when I was 13 and gave me this long list, and since then I've eliminated soy, wheat, um, dairy. I mean, they list all these things where it's so difficult for them. And and we and I could go, "Well, did they keep working with you on it? No. You know, have you had it before? Like recently, and you're okay? Yeah, I can have it sometimes. So then we start to know." okay, they didn't really eliminate it correctly. So Tiffany, I was just curious, are you finding that, you know, when you go out that you have to make the food and I mean, or or can you leave it? I mean, do you, like, what do you have to do? I imagine it's more labor intensive to try to make sure that. She comes packing with her own stuff pretty much everywhere she goes, but there's places we can eat. Surprisingly, it's not as hard as you'd think. We avoid things that have been, um, 
cooked with other things. I There's a restaurant local called Stacked, and every single time we go there, we hear people snickering ar- around us about the, the fact that they carry gluten-free fries because potatoes don't have gluten. Well, you'd know if you were sensitive to gluten that if fries are cooked with chicken fingers, that's really, really dangerous for you. <laughs> so gluten, yes, t- potatoes are gluten-free, but depending on what oil that they are cooked in or cross-contamination, um, that's when you can get into a lot of trouble. But we find places that we can eat and that she can eat. And um, she usually brings her own little side of something to supplement whatever she <laughs> decides to order. But she's only three. So three-year-olds aren't usually restaurant connoisseurs yet anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually for mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. How does she feel about, I mean, I know she's still young, but mm-hmm. does she realize that she's eating something different than, you know, if you're at a play date or something like that than other people? And how does she process that at this young age? Um, it's been, it's been a journey so far in how much she's grown in uh, being able to self-advocate. And we did have some very um, unfortunate interactions when she uh, about a year ago which were devastating for her her health wise but as far as eating things different I it seems to me that kids don't care very much at this age especially and she kind of runs around with a really cool crew of kids that all sort of um eat healthier and have alternative snacks and sometimes they'll share a pack of seaweed which everyone can eat and they really dig but um she brings her she brings her own food and she's okay with that she's just started saying I don't like gluten it hurts my tummy and so that's sort of the first step for her in being able to talk about it is being able to identify some of the things that hurt her. And although that doesn't encompass everything, well, as soon as she says that, people don't feed her. <laughs> so they're, they're, even though it doesn't it doesn't account for everything, it it's it puts a big stop sign up. For yeah, her, so. yeah. I feel like gluten is one of those big kind of buzzwords now, and and for a lot of people, it needs to be you know taken out of their diet. Have you found that, Lindsay? That you know more and more people are talking about is this just something that's in California that we hear more about, or is this kind of a national thing? Yeah, I think there's a couple things going on. I think one, it is definitely a fad. Um, there are people that, adults and parents that eliminate gluten for not a whole lot of reasons, just because they've heard of that and they, they aren't really sure what it is, but they think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to do this for X, Y, and Z reason. Um, and then there is um, an increase in diagnosis and understanding of both celiac disease, and then more and more practitioners are starting to look at um, gluten sensitivity. So gluten intolerance is celiac disease, um, and that is much more well understood than a gluten sensitivity at this at this point, at least. You know, we're seeing an increase in understanding and diagnosis of that as well. But especially for parents with children, they just want to really make sure that they're doing that, that if they're eliminating any any type of food, that it's for reasons that they, you know, have observed and thoroughly, you know, asked questions um, of medical practitioners and things like that, just because, um, you know, as they grow older, uh, that might be something they stick with and not be so fond of, and they may have not had to have eliminated those foods, you know. Okay. Yeah. If someone is classified as having a f- official food allergy, does that stay with them? You know, in the case of Tiffany's daughter, is that going to stay with her her whole life? I mean, I know you don't treat her specifically, but yeah. this is yeah. an example, right? Yeah. So I don't know about 
Tiffany's daughter. Um, yeah. But for food allergies, kids can grow out of them. Okay. They're less likely, so we'll talk about the top eight in a little bit. They're less likely to grow out of a nut, peanut, fish, or shellfish fish allergy. Um, but for some of the other top oh, eight, like they can. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to say my brother, the one who had the severe dairy allergy when he was smaller, he can eat it now as an adult. Yeah. And it, it, took, a, it took a long time, and it was like a slow progression. Mm-hmm. So when he was like a teenager, he's like, I just really want to try chocolate you know so he tries it and he had it wasn't as severe of a reaction but he still had a reaction and he's like uh you know and so then as he got older then you know he would try it again and and now he he can eat most things and and he's okay he's not fond of a lot of stuff with dairy in it because he didn't grow up eating it yeah you know he still kind of has that association but he doesn't it's not doesn't give him as bad of a time and you can do that. You can go stop by, like, at the doctor's office and have them expose your child to certain foods as they're getting older and to see how the reaction um, looks, yeah. Tiffany, have you asked that question? Is, is your daughter going to have that? Have you asked that to her? Yes. Um, it was a big blow this year because we went back to get um, sort of a checkup and retested when we sort of thought that she might have just been sensitive to these things. And it was like being hit by a bus all over again when they said no she's probably celiac and so this is not something that she's gonna outgrow and uh, you know after um infancy but you know you you get over it you realize Mm -hmm. that it's um this is for her health and it's it makes her life easier and better and it might be slightly more difficult for her mother but (laughs) (laughs) it's not bad at all and um just on how uh, hyped up it is right now with gluten for at least for our experience it's been a double-edged sword with more people knowing what gluten is that's helpful but with so many people coming into restaurants or anywhere saying that they can't have gluten I've heard from a lot of people in the industry that they don't take it very seriously anymore oh, yeah. which is really hard and um, I have a girlfriend that grew up grew up with celiac, and she said people would just, you know, if they found out that there was a celiac person in the restaurant, they were going to be very careful. And now you don't get, you don't elicit that same reaction. So I kind of have to, we do um, go places where we know that they're going to be uh, More receptive. very yeah. receptive and understanding of that. So it's kind of the... the unfortunate side to the publicity on gluten. Okay, well, when we come back, we're going to learn more about the top eight foods that are causing all the fuss when it comes to food allergies. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Today we're talking with dietitian and nutritionist specialist Lindsay Stenovic, and we're talking about common food allergies in children. So now we're going to dive into our top eight list of the different food allergies found in children um, that are common in children. So let's start with the first one, Lindsay, soy. So with soy, soy happens to be found in a lot of our products. Um, we the Soy protein isolate. Um, we use soy as a protein source or a protein component in a lot of different Um, foods. So that can be tough. What's great about the fact that there is a, I mean, it's not great, but there's a top eight. Um, So when you look at the ingredient list of a food, they're required to list if soy is part of um, the product is is contained in the food. So you don't have to be as much of an expert at sifting through every single little ingredient, although it doesn't hurt um, to review it just in case, because I have had, I've worked for a school district and Head Start, and we've had many instances where we've had to call the manufacturer and say, is this correct? You know, is there a mistake? Um, But, uh, but yeah, you you know, you want to double check with that. 
Okay. And that is one that kids can grow out of. Okay. Um, and that would include whole soy as well, like tofu, soy milk, things like that. Okay. And wheat. Wheat. So wheat allergies, it's different than gluten allergies. So with a wheat allergy, again, we're looking at that immunoglobulin E response, um, and it absolutely has to be eliminated um, from a child's diet, but they don't have to eliminate everything that contains gluten. So it's a little bit different. Um, they can have rye, they can have barley, um, oatmeal, things like that, that um, kiddos that are intolerant to gluten would have to eliminate um and among many other derivatives of those uh, grains as well. So that's a little more complicated. Um, but wheat will be listed on a product um, and also can be one that kids grow out of sometimes. I guess I didn't realize. I, I just, uh, you know, grouped gluten in with all wheat, and that's, mm-hmm. that's not true, huh? Well, if you think about I mean, if you're gluten sensitive or gluten intolerant, yes, every wheat product has to be eliminated. But the allergy is not to gluten, it's to proteins oh. and wheat, which gluten is a protein in wheat. Right. But um, if it's not an allergy to gluten, then it's just elimination of, of wheat. I see. Okay. And there are a million different teeny tiny little ingredients with gluten <laughs> in them. So, okay. you know, if you don't have to worry about those, then that's usually found to be helpful. Although Tiffany's really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dairy. I know that's a big one. Yeah, dairy is really common. And so I think we're all pretty familiar with our dairy products, our yogurt, cheese, um, milk, butter. Uh, and those uh, have to be eliminated completely as well as any food that has casein or whey um, in it. Again, that will be listed on um, the ingredient list. Is that breast milk too? Breast milk for babies? No. Okay. No. You could have milk proteins in your breast milk, I believe. Um, But no, they will not be, they should not be allergic to breast milk. To be allergic or intolerant to breast milk is really, really rare. I see. You know, because it's made for, specifically for a baby. Right. You know, yeah. Okay. Fish. Any kind of fish? Is that what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, fish and shellfish. Um, sometimes uh, parents will have kids eliminate both, even if they haven't tested positive for both. That's kind of a combination one that we see a lot, just to be safe, safer than sorry. Um, and also to eliminate, you know, if they're at school or something when they're older and people don't understand the difference, just to have both eliminated. Um and if it happens to be, you know, one issue could be like burgers sometimes might have um, anchovies in them. Uh, that was an in- incident uh, at our school at one point, our district. Yeah, so you kind of want to you want to check. It's not something just that whole you wouldn't foods. think would have fish in it, right? At all. <laughs> right. It's a flavor a flavor thing, but yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, tree nuts and peanuts, same idea. A child may not test positive for both but a lot of the times parents will eliminate both because they tend to find that they're processed in similar plants and they're not required to say processed in a plant you know that also processes peanuts or whatever they're not actually required they do that voluntarily Um, so that's a good thing for parents to know but peanuts are legumes uh, where tree nuts are nuts and so it's actually not as common for them to be allergic to both as people think so they may, you may not, you know, if you have a child who's allergic to walnuts, they might still be able to consume peanuts, but that would be something that you'd obviously get tested and, you know, discuss with your doctor. And then with egg, again, whole eggs and also egg and product, although I had, and I don't know how they were tested, but I've had a, many, many children through the school districts or Head Start who can have egg cooked in product, but not a whole egg. Um, so that's, that's very common. And is all this different if it's raw versus cooked? I mean, can all that 
play a role too or no? No, they'll okay. be allergic whether it's raw versus cooked for any of these products, which we wouldn't uh, recommend raw eggs, but yeah, right. with like soy and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And also we want to look for cross-contamination with any of these. So you can do all of your due diligence and not have right. any of these foods in the child's you know, meal, but, you know, Tiffany Gluten-free fries. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a Just thing, too. No, there, there is okay. a fast food restaurant, um, and I won't name names, but they add beef flavoring to their french fries, and the beef flavoring contains gluten. Mm-hmm. And I know that because my aunt has celiac. And so she told me that. I was like, you're kidding me. It's french fries. But, you know, they add a flavoring, and the flavoring has gluten. So I almost feel like you never know. an investigator with yeah. this stuff. It, it does <laughs> feel yeah. that way. Yeah, and, and, and it's kind of, it has to be scary, Tiffany, as a parent, I mean, I know, you know, your daughter's probably not eating at all this fast food place right now, but as she grows older, you know, you just never know what's in this stuff. Being scared of food is a hard thing in general because food's supposed to bring people together. It's it's part of our culture. So being scared of it is, is difficult. But the upside is that she eats really healthy. We just don't go to fast food. She breaks out, you know, healthy snacks where she goes and she wasn't introduced to those things. So she's not really going to have much of a taste for them. So I, I luck out in that regard. (laughs) And Tiffany, what advice would you have for parents out there that are either listening to this? Maybe they have, you know, kids with allergies or food sensitivities, or maybe, you know, they just may come in contact. You know, we all will probably come in contact with children um, that fit that category. So what, what advice do you have for parents out there? Please, I know that it's very tempting to give a toddler or a preschooler or a small child food and you love seeing their face when you give some give them something or they might I've heard look hungry. Um, <laughs> I think my daughter always looks hungry, but I take a hundred percent responsibility in feeding her and we've had really, really bad interactions where people have put something in her hand. Um, we've we've gone to People have, I've been wearing her on my back and someone will put a sample in her hand and I won't see it. And she was just too young not to know what it was or even even just putting it in her mouth to see because they, she was at a stage where she just put things in her mouth that weren't food. Um, and so I would just implore that people just leave it to the parents to feed their own children. And I, I don't, as, as kind as it is to share a snack at the park, it could make my child very, very sick. And um Outside of that, hand washing really helps a lot. Um, antibacterial does not, but hand washing helps. So that's that would help me a lot. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being the parent representative today. Great hearing your story, and we appreciate that. And, and Lindsay, thank you so much for being with us today as well. Thank you. For more information on child food allergies, or if you want to learn more about Lindsay, our expert, you can visit our website at newmommymedia.com. This conversation continues for members of our Parent Savers Club. In our bonus content, Lindsay will share her thoughts on desensitizing your children to foods they may be allergic to and whether or not you should even try it. For more information about our club, visit our website. Hi, Parent Savers. I'm Robin Kaplan, an international board certified lactation consultant, owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center, and the host and producer of Parent Savers' sister show, The Boob Group. I'm here to offer some advice on different breastfeeding remedies, such as how can I get over my fear of breastfeeding in public? I remember the first time I breastfed my son Ben in public. He was six weeks old. My husband Jason and I were driving up to his sister's Kim's wedding in Northern California. We had stopped in Los Angeles for lunch, and it was brutally hot, like 95 degrees in the parking lot. And I actually contemplated nursing Ben in the car, but I was sweating so profusely I figured, eh, 
I got to go in the restaurant. So into the restaurant we went. I sat down at a table and got out a large receiving blanket. I distinctly remember asking Jason to stand behind me to pull down the blanket so that I could hide my six-week postpartum back fat. To me, covering my back was actually more important than possibly flashing a boob. Up until now, I had been helping Ben get a comfortable latch by compressing my breast into that breast sandwich. I wondered how I was going to do this without the blanket slipping off of my shoulder. I slowly lowered Ben under the blanket, lifted up my shirt, and bam, that kiddo latched without my help whatsoever. Clearly, he was a very capable participant. I just had no idea. So from then on, breastfeeding in public was a breeze. Sure, he made extremely loud gulping noises while eating, which often attracted some onlookers, but now I was comfortable feeding him anywhere, and I began to feel an incredible sense of freedom. So here are my top tips for breastfeeding in public. First, practice at home so that you are comfortable latching your baby while sitting in different chairs and wearing different shirts. If you are uncomfortable breastfeeding in public without a cover, practice using that cover or a blanket in front of a mirror so you can actually see what you're doing. Next, find stress-free places to breastfeed in public, such as the North Terms Nursing Room or a breastfeeding support group. It's no big deal if you flash a boob in front of other moms, and you can also ask them what tricks they have tried to become comfortable nursing in public. Another trick is to practice breastfeeding in a carrier, wrap, or sling. I remember my sister-in-law walking around the San Diego Zoo while nursing her daughter in a Moby wrap. It was super discreet, and she didn't even have to stop and sit down. Lastly, go to lunch with a few other breastfeeding moms and practice in their company. You will most likely feel less stressed if you are surrounded by other women, plus you can learn some valuable tricks from them. For more great information about different breastfeeding remedies, check out my blog at sandiegobreastfeedingcenter.com backslash blog, and be sure to listen to Parent Savers and the Boob Group for fantastic conversations about breastfeeding and breastfeeding support. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Parent Savers. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, the boob group for moms who breastfeed their babies, and Twin Talks for parents of multiples. This is Parent Savers, empowering new parents. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Stimulus and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. 
Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.